I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. So we are combining three of the things we love, podcast and then story and breakfast. And specifically, we're looking at the biggest story. We tend to read the Bible like it's something boring, um, a little more mechanical, when in truth it's full of all kinds of complicated characters and plenty of room for the imaginative. Uh, we're hoping that this could open up the way we read these stories, that we would see the people in them as real people and that that might help us connect to maybe God is real too, if the characters are real. We're going to look at a bunch of different stories in scripture and just ask the question, what did they eat for breakfast? And what did they want to eat for breakfast? And we're also just going to talk about what life felt like for them in the hope that maybe we'll see ourselves in the story and we'll see a real God moving through real people. We're calling this the breakfast translation. So I have a breakfast update as we start this episode. Okay, let's hear it. Uh, early on, months, years ago, when we started this podcast, we talked about our regular breakfast. Yes. When I mentioned that my go-to breakfast these days had been Special K Chocolatey Delight. Yes, where you get regular bites and then nice chocolatey surprise. Exactly right. And the last few times I have gone to the grocery store... No chocolatey no delight. No chocolatey delight. Oh, no. I have a deep fear that they have stopped making it. Oh, my gosh. That would be. <laughs> In its place, the last time I went, it was chocolate-dipped flakes. Okay. And each one is chocolate But dipped. with almonds. Oh. And it's just not, it's not the same. Mm. It's like they tried to pass it off. Um, and what one funny thing about this is... That my mom was deeply afraid of people stopping making the things she loved. Uh huh. So she would like fall in love with a shampoo, or like in my memory, one of the things is a Tic Tac flavor that she fell in love with. Okay. And her constant fear was that they would stop making it. And all of a sudden she'd be without. Yes. And she would talk about like it, like it was like this giant conspiracy thing that the powers that be would find out she liked something. And just pull it off the shelves. Oh, no. Because she would always say it like, they're going to stop making it. And with a capital T, they. Yes, uh -huh. these, these evil. <laughs> and so one time I came home from college and I opened up one of the, the cabinets and there was lime green Tic Tacs just falling out of the cabinets oh, because oh, she no. had stocked up and because she, they were going to stop making it. And you probably thought, mom. <laughs> yeah, sure enough. I'm pretty sure if you tried right now to go buy some lime green Tic Tacs, they don't. It's not available. Not a thing. And to be fair to my mom also, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, which at one point was known as like a test market city. Really? But okay, it was so like a primary. Say, well, try here. Yes. Because Columbus has like a good cross section of America. So race, age, class wise, Columbus is a very good mix. A little bit of everything. Yeah. And so different companies would try things out there and so every once in a while we'd get something that nobody else had for a while and if it didn't make enough of a like if it didn't get enough play in columbus yeah it'd be gone it'd, it'd be, be out safer. they'd stop they nope. would stop making it man and so the other day when i went to the grocery and there was no Chocolatey delight. You were cursing the they. I was like, God, oh, they stopped they making stopped. it. Or depending on what you believe about the afterlife, my mom who passed away last year, I thought she's teaching me. <laughs> she's showing me. See? She knew all along mm -hmm. that the things you love 
could get yanked off the shelves at any at any moment. Well, hope I hope we can find you some good alternative because I know the message of our podcast is the significance <laughs> of well, what breakfast says about you. That it does reveal things, yeah. right? So I'm having to like wrestle with because I just the other day my last bowl of what I had on my on my own personal shelf. So did you pick a special day to enjoy your last bowl or was it more just you just kept eating it until it no, was No, I did like and, mark it. Like yeah. I I stopped and sort of I've been trying to like do that more often where I like stop and just like if I experience something good or beautiful like just kind of pay stop and like pay attention to it and not let it go without noticing. So that was one of those moments. So I did like this could be this could be my last moment with chocolatey delight. And maybe that's what the they wanted. <laughs> so maybe now that you've done your... Yes, now that I have finally acknowledged their beauty. Yeah. Your turn. So we'll see. I mean, I try every once in a while that would just happen where like the grocery store would be out of it. So I would like settle for a chocolate checks. But it's just not, not the same. Yeah. So I'm in the midst of a like refiguring who am I going to be now. That's exciting. Yeah. And so this breakfast dilemma is, Uh it's revealing, not that this was anything I didn't know, but it does certainly reveal some, some control issues. (laughs) Um, So here we are in the world, which if you've made it to 2021 and still think you have any degree of control over the world, more power to you. Right. Because I feel like, yeah, this last year should have revealed to all of us that uh, we have very little control over anything. So that's my that's my breakfast update okay um I also wanted us to talk about we're gonna talk uh, in this episode about a funny thing that happens something funny happens and I watched a very funny tv show that had a pretty good joke that had me just up in my head about what it is we're trying to do here with this podcast yeah so I downloaded the peacock app which yes, is streaming service. NBC's powerful move to invade our life with their streaming service. And they they drew me to it by having a show that is produced by Tina Fey. Uh, so you downloaded it for I mean, this, I knew that I knew it was coming. Yeah. So I did get it primarily because of the show. And it stars Sarah Bareilles, who's also one of my favorite singer songwriters. And it's a show called Girls Five Eva. <laughs> and the joke of it's called that because they're, it's about like a 90s girl group and the joke of the show name is so good that that also drew me in because the, the joke of them being Girls 5 Eva is because forever is too short. <laughs> uh, and so there's an episode of Girls 5 Eva where one of the characters who's a part of the girl group and her boyfriend who's a part of like a, a boy band, they're hosting like a Christian get-together at their house. Uh-huh. Because they're a part of this kind of like a Hollywood Christian movement that happens every once in a while. Right. And they make a joke about how they're cool Christians. Yeah. And they're the kind of Christians who compare the Bible, the people in the Bible to office characters. (laughs) As the cool Christians do. Yeah, because that's what a cool Christian would do. And I had to sort of stop. And after I laughed at what is that's a very good joke yeah it is I had to stop and go oh is that what Keaton and I are doing with the breakfast translation are we trying to be because we're not comparing people to the office but we are trying to like bring the story forward and Mm -hmm. be like 
at a would, slam. Would Polly pop tarts, right? Yeah. Like that's not that many degrees. We're cool Christians. Because we are cool Christians. Yeah. We're not like those other Christians. We don't talk about cereal. Yeah. <laughs> no. So I did have a little bit of like a, just I had to do a little bit of self-examination. Uh, I do think we're including a lot more evaluation of the actual text than the characters in Girls 5 ever did at their gathering. Mm-hmm. But that's that's for the listeners to decide, I suppose. Yeah, you, you get to tell us if we're cool Christians yeah. <laughs> or just plain old normal, dumb, boring Christians. Christians. Uh, one, the joke that doesn't end the joke because it goes on to say that um, Judas is Dwight <laughs> <laughs> and that Jesus is Daryl from the uh, warehouse. Uh-huh. Would that be, would you agree with their assessment? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I do. I mean, I do. Daryl is great. Yeah, he has some attitude, though. I don't he know. He does. Yeah. But maybe He's Jesus does, too. I mean, yeah. every once in a while, Jesus has to, like, put people in their right place. That's true. Um, but I did I did go down a, a, a route for a while of, is that, is that Jesus? Or would Jesus be, I don't know, Phyllis? Mm-hmm. You know, or or would Jesus be Kevin? Although, no, because Kevin is awful. He's one of the worst <laughs> parts of life. You don't like Kevin? No, he gets no. worse every time I wa- okay. rewatch it. Yeah. Uh, I'll do a rewatch, and I'll come back to you with a decision. Okay, okay you let me know. <laughs> then we will just become the problem. Yeah. We'll become. So the next episode, <laughs> we're going to be deciding <laughs> which office character. I do think it's very clear to me that. Saul Paul is Angela, the accountant. <laughs> I don't, I mean, that seems obvious. The intensity. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. The attention to numbers and mm-hmm. things like that. So, okay. So we are going to get into uh, some funny things here in these chapters. We're actually going to race through three chapters. Acts 12 uh, through 14. Get ready. And we just saw this in our last episode, this big giant thing that's happening. God's up to something very big. Yes. Which is inviting Gentiles into the story that God is telling. Yeah. So the the market has expanded. That's right. (laughs) So there's this whole new crowd uh, for the story of Jesus. And I think it's fair enough to say that that causes peace and trouble. Yeah. Uh, We're also seeing in that, we're seeing that thing that happened at Acts 2 and that prophecy of Joel come true, right? We talk, we've talked about this several times, the, the walls falling down and the kingdom of God expanding and welcoming in more people than anybody had ever imagined and different kinds of people than anybody had imagined. But that is not without its complications. Right. Uh, in fact, in these chapters, nothing really big happens in these these chapters it's just several like little small like it's almost like a there's like a montage it's like a video montage of -hmm. of here's some things that are happening in between these big giant things and one of the big giant things that's happening is one of my very favorite things that shows up in the whole book of acts yeah which is a reference to the leadership at the church of antioch antioch and Antioch, if you remember, it's referenced as the very first place where people are called Christians. Do you remember this? Did you, do you remember this in the text? 
Mm. From this chapter? Yeah, just you could just say yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I knew that. There's a little reference in chapter 11, uh, in verse 26 or so, it says it was at Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. And one of the things that I love about that note is that the other thing we learn about Antioch is that it had mixed race leadership. So it references that the people who are kind of keeping things going at Acts are a guy named Simeon, who is from Africa, um, Manian, who is a rich guy who worked for Herod, and uh, Saul, who is still being called Saul here. Remember how we talked about how he doesn't become a Christian and be called Paul? Right. It's actually a, a cultural thing that when he's in Jewish circles, he's Saul. When he's in Gentile circles, he's Paul. Uh, but it tells us that the, the folks who are teaching and prophesying and leading the Church of Antioch represent several different races, classes, uh, and origin stories. And a part of what made people look at them and say, these people are like Jesus, which is what Christians is, right? People like Jesus, uh, was the breaking of racial barriers. And I find that to be just a really beautiful idea Mm -hmm. Uh, that here we sit in 2021 and racism, probably not fixed. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, it's kind of sitting at the center of our cities and a lot of our conversations, or at least it should be. Um, And so here we have this, this picture in the church that one of the things that distinguished the community of Jesus was this um, mixing of the races and them working together. Mm-hmm. And that that is what made people look at them and mock them right. almost. Yeah. Um, and we're going to see that there's still persecution. So it's causing, it's causing trouble. <laughs> and also peace, right? So there's peace in the church. Within, but from outside looking in exactly yeah peace inside but trouble on the outside Uh, and so that's why part of why they also keep ending up in jail so even in this story we have a moment where simon peter ends up in prison again Mm -hmm. he's busted out by an angel yep and then he goes to a house and this is where the funny part comes in (laughs) he he thinks that he is there's a couple funny things that happen. One thing that's funny is that he gets released from prison and he thinks he's just dreaming that, mm-hmm. which is pretty great. Yeah. Uh, be- which makes sense because he just had a, a very big dream moment. Right. That's part it's of what... the way that God communicates with them. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a, a big sure deal. He's exhausted too. Yeah, exactly. He's had to do all this deconstructing and reconstructing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he started to think maybe God visits me in my dreams. And so... He thinks maybe he's just dreamed that he's gotten out of prison. But he goes to somebody's house and he knocks at the door. Mm-hmm. And what happens? Okay. Um, is it the, the maid answers the door? Yeah, gets Rhoda. so jazzed. Rhoda is so excited to see Peter um, that she slams the door <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right in his face. I mean, it's it's a classic comedy bit, uh-huh. I feel like. I feel like this is something you would see on a, on a 90s sitcom. Yeah. Where somebody that you didn't expect to see at the door, and she's so excited. So happy. That she leaves him at the door to go tell everybody he's at the door. Mm-hmm. 
and they don't believe him or her. Right. And so she has to come back and like let him in to prove mm-hmm. that he's been free and to yeah. prove to him. Right. Like, so he doesn't really believe he's free. Yeah. She can't believe it's free. And the crowd doesn't believe he's free. But there he <laughs> They're is. They're all despite the odds. <laughs> yeah. Here they are. And it has me thinking that, you know, one of the like hard things about scripture is that there's probably not enough funny, not enough funny stuff. Right. Or at least as far as we can tell. Yeah. Uh, I do think you could make a case, and I think some people have, that there's more funny stuff than we know. Yeah. Um, some of the things that Jesus says are probably funnier than we understand. Mm-hmm. Partially because I think just when you're trying to translate across culture, that humor is like the hardest thing. Oh, yeah. They say if you're like learning a new language, like picking up on humor is one of the most difficult things to do. Right. And I think you could even see like just for like English speaking cultures, like on social media, how quick uh, humor changes. Absolutely. So there could be something that's a funny meme today, but it won't be funny tomorrow. Right. Like it's only funny. It gets outdated quicker and quicker. Humor changes so fast. Uh, So one of the things, uh, you know, that thing that Jesus says about it'd be harder for a, a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven for a camel to go through a needle. Like, I think that's a, like a mic drop funny line (laughs) in the world of Jesus. Yeah. Like the laugh tracks would like be turned up. Like that would be a funny line. If I read that, I'm like, okay, another metaphor. This one's kind of (laughs) weird. Yeah. But we're like, wait, camels. Yeah. Yeah, Cause we don't, we don't live with camels. Uh Um, we don't, think that much about needles yeah, camel's big yeah. though <laughs> yeah. so maybe that's silly enough uh-huh. it's, it's absurdist enough but also some of the stuff we've heard so often that it's not as funny as it would be that first time mm-hmm. um, I also think sometimes it's lost in wordplay like of all the things I don't remember a lot about learning Greek and Hebrew <laughs> even though I did at some point know them and I could translate things oh, that's cool but it's most of it has fallen out of my head but what I do remember is that there's more wordplay there then we know like how often in Greek, this word would be the same as this word, which makes it extra funny mm. or makes it kind of ironic that Luke would uh, maybe puts in a double meaning or something yeah, that isn't translated. Yeah. Or... There's a lot of stuff like that, yeah. that we do lose in translation. Uh, but this is just pure funny, right? Can you think of any, is there anything else that is a little bit funny in the Bible? Do you think there's anything else that's funny? Jesus wordplay. Yeah, we talked about um, the Christmas story in general being yes, funny and uh, I guess not funny, but lots of um, back to back. Yeah, what's going to happen next? It fits into yes. this the like a broader picture of comedy. That I think Frederick Buechner, who I drop his name a lot, um, he wrote a book called Telling the Truth. That's about how the story of Jesus is tragedy comedy and fairy tale and he kind of opened up the way I think of comedy has like that comedy is not just like the stuff that's funny it's the stuff that is unexpected that you don't see coming it's like an element of surprise Mm -hmm. so in that way there's a ton of stuff in scripture that's kind of surprising Mm -hmm. so the Christmas story is really just a comp it really is a sort of comedy that God would look at the world and say, who is the holiest? Like, who would be the most welcoming first 
stop right for a god on the move right and to pick like a young poor israelite girl is wild mm-hmm. like it's not ha-ha funny but it is hmm wait what funny, yeah <laughs> you uh-huh. know and there's a lot of stuff i mean the fact that they that there's no room at the inn right Right, it's like, oh, you we, here is here is God in human form. Yeah, and the guy who's like, oh, here. we don't have room for no. that, you know. So you can picture that guy ten years later being like, I'm the guy. Like Aw, he's crap. he's telling <laughs> that story at the bar later. Like I'm the guy who told Jesus that we didn't have room for him. Uh-huh. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff in there, and I think even in Acts, I mean, just think about the fact that Saul Paul goes from killing Christians to being stoned. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that happens in this like fast track section of Acts is that Paul gets stoned. Mm-hmm. And so all those weapons that he had pointed at people of faith are now turned around and pointed at him. Right. Not ha ha funny, obviously, but right. it holds that strong irony. Yes. Uh, Alanis Morissette could. <laughs> Isn't it she ironic? Would, she would really have a lot to say about the story of Saul Paul if she ever really paid attention to it. Uh, so that's that's one of the things that happens here is we see some of the first uh, the first works of Paul or Saul Paul, and he has his first miracle. So he heals a man who hasn't walked in a very long time, and uh, the people's response to that is to think that Saul Paul is a god. Right. They start um, sacrificing. Yeah. Him. They want to kill animals and lift them up to him. Mm-hmm. And we also see, there's also crammed into these chapters is also a moment where Herod uh, is lifted up as a god mm-hmm. um, because of just the power he displays in persecution. So that, uh, that is also kind of funny. Yeah. That here you have these guys on opposite ends of the spectrum trying to do very different things in the world. And everyone's like, yes, another god. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the, the people are doing the same, making the same mistake, like mistaking power for godliness Mm -hmm. i think um why do you let's just like pause with that for a minute like what is that in people do you think that makes us worship heroes other people yeah i mean i guess it's just having someone that you can see right in front of your face doing something amazing makes you go they must hold something sacred yeah i mean we're so impressed by people who do extraordinary things right I mean, I, I think there's artists who I certainly, I definitely put on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. I would not kill animals <laughs> to like what? sacrifice to them. Not like, one. There's not one. <laughs> Cerebrellus even. No, I'm not going to kill a bird for her. I will, <laughs> I will pay $9.99 on iTunes, which is a sacrifice right. in a world of streaming. I do feel like that is that a sacrifice. Is. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I just think mm-hmm. it's this hero worship is a, is a big giant deal because I think it's still very present, mm-hmm. not just with celebrities and like or artists or athletes, but pastors, mm. and this need to make somebody more than mortal. Um, it's just a really strong leaning of the human heart, and I I don't there's could be lots of explanations for it, you know. Like I think psychologically maybe it's. Some people are looking for parents forever, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that security that we find when we're little kids or that we don't get 
or my little kids. Right. So we look for it in other places as we as we mature. Um, I remember having somebody say, sometimes we put people on a pedestal or we call them saints because it excuses us that if Mother Teresa... Oh, because it makes it almost less attainable. So yeah. It's like, oh, they're doing something that... They can do it because they're, they're a saint. This certain quali- yeah, they have this classification. Yeah, so I might look at like a Mother Teresa and be like, well, yeah, but she was... Yeah, so you don't have to worry about trying to... Right, but that's mm-hmm. not attainable for me mm-hmm. in my world. Um, so sometimes I think we do it to like take the pressure off of ourselves to do anything extraordinary. Um, yeah, I think I just, and I think of people of faith, it is that idea that's not wholly bad, but there's a whole system for it built into the Catholic Church, right, of sainthood. Um, and of those people almost becoming like a step closer to us than God is. Right. So it feels closer yeah. and easier to communicate in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it's not even wholly bad because right, what we're seeing in the book of Acts, even in these chapters, is the expansion of the kingdom through people. And sometimes through people who have like a charisma or a magneticism to them or like people who are living their lives in such a way that other people want that. You know, we even talked about that being the big calling on Israel and then of God blowing that out to say, oh, it's actually, so you'll be a light to the Gentiles. Um, So it's this very big idea that God would draw people to God through the church. But it's, there's some fine line there of where that is godly and good and where it is just messed up. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think maybe we're even seeing more of that as a problem in a world where the temptation is like for preachers to have a platform and to like gain followers and to make podcasts and stuff <laughs> like so that they might not go to like their local church. They might just like download the latest, like whoever mm-hmm. the most famous preacher is in the moment kind of a thing. And that's been the downfall of some of these communities built on celebrity. So I think we're in a moment where that's a, a very big question. Right. Um, let's just real quick here spend some time on Paul because what we've talked about before, the beauty of Acts is that it kind of fills in the narrative to the letters of Paul. And so in a couple of his speeches, we see some of the big ideas that show up in his letters. One of my favorite ones in this speech that he gives, um, in I think it's in chapter... Is it 13 or 14? Uh, I think it's 13 where he talks about um, nature providing a witness to the goodness of God. Mm. That the Gentiles, even though they didn't have uh, all the prophets' voices and all the family story, that God did not leave them without evidence of God's goodness because they could see rain falling and the sun rising. And that's an idea that he's going to come back to in the book, uh, in the letter to Romans. Um. I find it a pretty compelling, like a pretty compelling idea. Right. Right. That um, that the earth is supposed to kind of draw us towards a bigger story. Is this the first time that we see somebody making that claim? Uh, I think in... I think Paul does it most clearly. I think okay. that's why He's he gets so much says, ink in the New yeah. Testament is because he says it most clearly. 
But uh, I actually have a, speaking of different translations, there's mm-hmm. not an actual breakfast translation of the Bible, which, what? you know, shame on us. <laughs> but there, I have a green Bible that highlights uh, every time that something in nature or creation mm. is mentioned. And there's a lot of green ink mm-hmm. in that Bible because I think very often, like you think about Job is a good example. Like when God kind of responds to Job's questions, God uses creation to show how powerful God is. Like, have you seen the beast in the ocean? Right. Have you seen the mountains? Have you seen like how many stars there are? Have you seen all these creatures that walk along the earth and crawl and fly and all that stuff? Like, have you seen them? They're mm-hmm. a witness to me. Um, so I think there, there's hints of it. It's just that Paul says it. Hey, Very check clearly. it out. Yeah. God has <laughs> been at God work. God communicating with you. Yeah. Got and it. I think it's a it's an appeal, especially to a Gentile crowd, because we're going to see in Acts, we're going to get into a bunch of speeches of Paul, and we're going to see the way that he he is gifted like Jesus and that he can kind of look around him at the world and say, what do I see around me? And how is it showing the work of God? So he's going to go into cities and look at their statues and look at their poetry and look at what mm. people are doing and look at what they're paying money for. And he, in essence... He's looking at the office <laughs> and saying, which character is most like Jesus? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. So he, and Jesus himself does that, right? Like he walks by a field and says, look at all these flowers. They have something to show you about how God cares for you. And so Jesus does it too. He just doesn't do it quite as directly as mm-hmm. Paul does it, I think, or Saul Paul does it. Uh, But I think it's also the work of all Christians. So I will say cool Christians (laughs) can watch silly sitcoms on the Peacock app. And try to find Jesus. And redeem them. Yeah, and and try to look for how they point us towards God. Um, I think when I, we haven't talked a lot about breakfast in this. We did at some point decide that Saul Paul was just a black coffee in the morning kind of person. And do you still feel like, does that still count for him? Do you see I anything? I think so. I think that's one of the attributes that remained consistent. Yeah. He's, in, he's intense. He's a go-getter. <laughs> yeah. His sort of what makes him him is still there. Mm-hmm. It's just that now instead of all that intensity uh, leading to persecution, it leads to his own persecution because he's bringing all this peace and all this trouble. So that's our breakfast translation. We fast forwarded through some chapters, but... Uh, there's a lot going on. There's even more going on than just what we can see is, is I think our hope every episode is to see what's there. Is there any invitations? We didn't really talk about that. I know. Is there anything in these chapters or in these things that make you want to get up and do breakfast different tomorrow? I don't know. I guess, I guess these past few chapters just reminded me that, like you said, there's always, um, more, more stories within the big story. So just trying to pay attention to everything that's going on in the world around me yeah. instead of just what's my main focus at that time. And I think also just appreciating the funny. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, like... Sometimes you're, the door gets slammed. Yeah, like, and just loving that Luke and God include that in the story, that here's this silly moment where the door gets slammed on, slammed on Simon Peter and that, that makes it in. And that sometimes, uh, especially in a world where it's hard to laugh because there's a lot of trouble right mm-hmm. that those moments uh can be a grace and the fact that they're included in the holy scriptures affirms it i think 
we want to thank you for listening to the Breakfast Translation. Hopefully you have uh, found us online. We do have an Instagram account. We'd love for you to send us uh, questions or reflections, anything that we've uh, made you think about or something that you think we should have thought about uh, in the book of Acts. We'd love to have you send us those. Uh, also, I always hear people when they finish a podcast, they ask people to review them. Should we ask people to do that? Do you no. think? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I, sure? I think it like expands your territory. Helpful. I think mm -hmm. is how it works. So I guess it just depends on whether we want to stay mere mortals or whether we want to be podcast gods. Mm. Maybe if we got enough reviews, yeah. people would mistake us for non-mortals. Non <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy your breakfast. Who wrote the end of the story? Who found the last love story? Who wrote the end of the story?